Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Dale Carnegie. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to listen to another episode on Slate of Clutter with Akila, the podcast. I do appreciate you taking the time out to listen to me. I do not take your time um, listening in for granted at all. I reached 500 downloads this week and ah, I'm so happy and extremely grateful. I know it's onward and upward from here. So on this week's episode, I had the privilege of interviewing someone who has grown very near and dear to me over this last year. COVID has some blessings, y'all. I know COVID-19 been knocking us down and we are all over it, but I have experienced some blessings. I miss some really hard sadness, but some blessings in the middle of this time and meeting my next guest that you'll be listening to in a few moments was definitely one of those blessings. His I call him Fran. Some call him Frank. Um but I call him Fran. <laughs> and his name is Frank Esco Paladino. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And he is a classically trained actor, member of the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, he's a SAG. Like this is huge and a writer of many things since the 1990s. He has been seen in major films. Netflix, Orange is the New Black. I don't know if y'all watched that, but that show was lit. Like, go on Netflix and go watch it. And a funny regular as Man on the Street on The Wendy Williams Show. Francesco has had many extensive stand-up comedy career opening for Gilbert Gottfried and Judy Gold. Hey! His many years of comedy led to his opportunities of motivational public speaking, which then led him to become a certified life coach. Frank Esco is grateful for his colorful journey and regularly performs, writes, and co-hosts the podcast. Come on, y'all know what this podcast is. Later this week with Coco and Fran. Um, I interviewed Coco Lita or Colleen Issa a few episodes back. If you didn't get the chance, go listen to that one. This summer, he will be a featured live speaker at the National Mental Health America Conference in Washington, D.C. This is major, where he will address healing fear through laughter. And let me tell you something. He is funny. I don't know if he's deliberately being funny all the time, but gosh, he makes me laugh. Um, he's going to make you laugh in this episode. We're talking about fear. Actually, the title of this episode is The Fear Factor Part 1 because I'm definitely going to have him come back on to discuss more aspects of where fear cripples us and why we shouldn't let it cripple us and how we should possibly use it to even empower us. But I ain't going to go too deep into it yet because I want you guys to listen, take notes, take notes. Let me tell you something. He read me in this episode. Like I was sitting there like, gosh, why he got to be so harsh? Why he got to be so loud with his rebuke? You know, he was definitely giving it to me. Like when he was talking about the whole successful, what successful people do, um, and how I shouldn't be scared of the no, like it got real, it got real and got real, real quick. So without further ado, Continue to listen and let me know what you think, please. Is this brand? It is. Oh my God. Like, I feel like I just fanned out. Okay. <laughs> I I've, been feel di- like- I've been dying to get on this show. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes me that makes me laugh. Like that is that is comical. Thank you for coming. I do appreciate it. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I've actually in the past week spent um, my every day at the gym listening to every episode from episode Thank one. Thank you. I do appreciate that. I, do. I mean, it's great. It's a great show. And I don't know how I'm going to compete with all these guests. And oh. I actually, I thought to myself, I'm like, am I the first dude that's on the show? Yes, you are. All right. Groundbreaking. Yes, you are the first. Well, your podcast was the first I was ever on. So nice um, exactly it's only fair that i that you be a first for me right like thank you 
rock and roll. I do appreciate it. I have my Zoom up if you would like to join me via Zoom. I would. Um, I will. I I will join you. I sent um, it via email. Forgive me. I should have sent it out to you last night. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We can do. We can do. Listen, the show must go on, right? The show. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you about the day I've had. So I can't um, wait. Today has just been crazy. And then at 430, I had an appointment to get my second shot for the vaccine. And I get there and they turned me around. They told me they couldn't give me my shot. Why? Because I was within my 10 days for travel. Gotcha. And I said, but I have a negative COVID back, um, COVID test that I took three days after I traveled. You know, I did all of that. Why are you turning me away? And they were just like, oh, this site is just a little bit more. Um, what's the word? This site is more. Um, hello there. This site is more. I guess that's just the rules here because Mark went and took his today too at another site. Oh. So I said, how was he able to take his test? Now, let me ask you a question. Were they taking white people in front of you? Because then that's an issue. Um, let, let, me, let me go there. So. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew was it. Not, I was not drawn to an, into an office. They spoke to me in front of everybody. I, 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 I will admit they did not disrespect me. I did not feel disrespected. Okay, good. However, this is not the first time that they've turned me around. When I went the first time to get my shot, I brought my children with me because I was told that I could. So I get there with Preston and little Sana, and they're like, I'm sorry, miss, but we can't see you with them. Oh, really? Knowing, and I know somebody who took their kids to get their COVID, their COVID vaccine, but you're turning me away. I, I left peacefully, Fran. I left peacefully and I went back at a later time that same day. Okay. So now I'm coming there expecting no issue. You asked me if I've traveled within the last 10 days. Yes. And I took a COVID test. P- PCR is what they call the one that they do all of your notes. Took a COVID test. Got back my results in whatever time the allotted time is. It was three days after I took the test. Three days after I traveled. So I had no reason to lie because I took a COVID test. I, I don't have COVID. Yeah. And I was turned away. So I said, you know what? Because this is the second time I'm being turned away, I now have a problem. I now have an issue. So I reached out to the woman who scheduled me and I said, I told you I was traveling to Puerto Rico before I got the first test. I told you that. Oh, that's no problem. Girl, if anything, this is what she said. Oh, that's great. Because you'll have a little bit of protection while you go out there. And and I said, okay, and I'll come back on the 21st. We ended up coming back on the 22nd because that's a whole nother drama. We ended up extending our stay. Oh, that's fine. Because then you'll take it seven days after that. That's what she said. Literally, I was scheduled seven days, friend. Seven days. If it was an issue, why did you schedule me for it seven days out? Why not schedule me what? Days. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's part one why I'm living. So I spoke to her about it. <laughs> I said, I am not one of those sensitive people. She got thick skin. So I'm not a sensitive person. But I said, I do feel as if I was being discriminated against. And she was just like, oh, God, no, that's not the case. I said, well, why is this the case for me? When my husband went and got a test, he reached out to his volunteer and was like, they should have never turned her around. Yeah. When I spoke to my, I have it in writing. When I spoke to my volunteer and told her, and she said, they turned you around for that. They shouldn't have turned you around. Yeah. So is it? So when are you, when are you getting, when are you actually getting it? The second. So I'm going on Monday. So of course, because I threw around the discrimination and racist, somebody called me from. Of course they did. They should have sent you flowers. Someone called me because they don't want to lose all of that COVID money. No, they don't want me calling Black Lives Matter. <laughs> they don't want because I'll call them. Huh? I have their. They phone don't want number. the army coming up to come for them. They don't want that. So a supervisor called me from wherever this was, wherever the site yeah. was. They yeah. called me, and she said, "I assure you, it was nothing like that. That is just our protocol here." I said, "Okay." I don't want to go back to your facility because I was embarrassed. I was not taken to the side and discussed privately with this. This was done openly. She's like, but please, if you could just come back and just let it. I said, okay. I said, now, if I come back in the third time, something happens, (laughs) whose fault is that? I said that. 
And she says, Miss, I assure you nothing is going to happen. I said, okay, schedule me Monday for 7.15. Mm -hmm. And you okay. tell him you're going to come with your uncle, Al Sharpton. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said, I said, we'll see. But we'll listen, see. you know what? We joke, but this shit happens. It really does. And I've seen it happen. You know, I've seen it happen before where I'm in a supermarket, right? And people don't know I'm black on the inside, right? <laughs> so they only see me and they're like, oh, this, this white guy, right? I love it. And there was a woman, a woman, an older black woman who was in line waiting clearly before mm -hmm. me. And this person was like calling for me. And I'm like, it's not that people intentionally discriminate. I just no. think that what happens is people don't see races. They don't see certain people. They almost become invisible to them. Mm -hmm. And they almost see people as being different grades of human beings. And so I literally looked at the woman and I literally, you know, my big mouth, I said to her, I said, do you not see this woman? And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm, mm, and the mm. woman thanked me. And I said, it's just human. Like it's, it's what we do. You're, you're there first. And also, excuse me, but she was an older woman too. Like mm. take her, Jeez. take her first. I'm standing here with like a sad box of cereal and you're, this woman's struggling, right? Yeah. Come on. It was, it was, I was, in, I, I used the word, I said I was embarrassed. It wasn't like I was taken to an office and said, you know, our policy here, you know, I understand your husband went somewhere else, but our policy here is strict. I would have respected that. But you, they told me this in front of everyone. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was like that. Like yeah. I was like, well, I'm glad we started out. I'm glad we started the show like this. And you know what else I'm glad? I'm glad that I don't have to work tonight. I just have to, to sit here. But you know what? I am working. Cause look, look what I got. I got homework. You got notes. I love you. I I'm a love you, Fran. I'm a professional. I just, you're just, you're just, this is why I'm so nervous to interview you because I'm like, he is the ultimate, he's a Virgo in his spirit. I, I don't know if he knows that, but you're a Virgo. You, you have that streak of perfectionism and that streak of it has to be this way and it has to yep. be that way. And I'm just nervous. Yeah. You know? That's why Coco hates me. <laughs> don't talk about my coco don't talk about my cocolita uh -oh. my cocolita because she's lit oh did you wasn't her interview something beautiful it was fantastic fantastic she did excellent like she shows up she shows up i mean you don't know how much how hard it is sometimes to pull her out of a shell like sometimes when we do a show it's like she goes from oh my god i'm so scared i'm scared scared and then all of a sudden the microphone comes on and she's like Hey guys, how are you? And it just phenomenal. Yep. Her level of vulnerability and people in my world were reposting what she said. Right. Like when people went to go listen to it, yep. they were like, I can relate. Yeah. And honestly, that is what the goal of this podcast is. Oh, my goal in life actually overall is to show that we are truly all the same and prior to this podcast you would hear me say in like my videos and stuff like mm -hmm. that you're never alone no there mm -hmm. is nothing right now friend that you're going through or that Akila is going through that there is not someone else on this earth on this plane right going there's no there's no way right and you know the funny thing is and this is why I love fear I love not that I love fear but I love talking about fear is because I think what people do is they hear you or I doing something like this and they say, yeah. well, they can do that because they have X, Y, Z. I mm -hmm. can't do that because I have this. And people don't realize all of the stuff I've done, my entire mm -hmm. history of work and the, the great people I've met. And that didn't come from me knowing someone that mm -hmm. didn't come from someone giving me special treatment. I, I worked for everything I got and I fought for it. I mm -hmm. made the phone calls. You know, this is, we're talking pre-internet, you okay, know, where you had to pick call. up the phone. There yeah. was no email. You had to call, you want a job. I mean, I remember somebody giving me Woody Allen's phone number and trying to call his house. Wait, no, no, no. You got to give us a story on that. Sorry. Well, it was an audition that <laughs> he had posted for a movie and I was stupid. I was in my twenties. I, you know, somebody that I knew said, oh, my mother's friend's father knows knows him and i said oh you have the number joking around they said yeah so i go back to my house in jersey pick up the rotary phone call the number and i'm thinking to myself he did, he picks up the phone what am i gonna say me stupid 20 like woody allen's gonna pick up his own phone right you never know some some woman picked up and i asked for him and of course she was like you have the wrong number but i was like do i 
No, you didn't. No. But anyway, that's that's that. That that took some guts. And that's what I want to talk about tonight or today or whatever time time zone people are in. I want to talk about that because what you just said is very reflective of what Akilah, um, of Slate of Clutter with Akilah, the podcast, is going through right now. As you can see, I want to have people on my podcast. Because ultimately, I'm interested in people. I'm interested in you. And everybody that I've interviewed so far, I'm actually interested in you. Not because you're world famous or a sad of the professional, legitimate stage actor, Mm -hmm. but because your blood is red and your heart and you blink like me. You got fingers or whatever like me. And there's a story behind that. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know, like you said, nothing. I'm not any more special than you. No. And no one else is more any special than anyone. Like you said, we all go to the toilet the same way. The same. Well, some Somebody people, some people might have their own strange ways, but <laughs> generally, yeah, I get the point. And we're not sure how Oprah and Beyonce does that. We did talk about that on your show. We're not sure how they nope. do it, but everybody else outside of them goes the same I, way. I, listen, I will sooner say Beyonce uses the toilet, but Oprah, oh. no oh. way. No, no she, way. She no. doesn't have to. She's galactic. She, she doesn't, doesn't have to. No, no, I don't, yeah, that those, those that's magic, those, yeah, those unseemly things could never come from the queen. No, nope. never, I agree, but <laughs> no, nope. but yes, so tell me a little bit more about you. Uh oh, up until I know I can't get through all of it because you it's are a long very, life, man. You are very um, multifaceted, but one of the things that I know I personally love about you is that you do have that actor background with the comedic part right i love that you know what i mean and i want you to talk a little bit more about how you got into that and how that led you to being the magnificent person that you are today wow so how do i lead with that so i'm gonna do it really (laughs) i'm gonna do it really quick because i remember when i used to do comedy shows and host them and uh, comics used to give me their bios and whenever they give me a bio those more than five lines long i used to just make fun of them so i'm gonna try to do this as quick as possible So when I was in my 20s, I mean, my whole life, essentially, I wanted to be a performer. What that Mm -hmm. meant, I really didn't know. If it Mm -hmm. meant I was going to learn music, if it meant I was going to be an actor, I don't know. But I knew I wanted to do it. So someone had suggested to me right out of high school, you should get part of the Strasburg program. And Lee Strasburg was known for, you know, mentoring Marilyn Monroe and blah, blah, blah. And some of the teachers I had, and I was 19 years old, what did I know? I didn't know how great it was, but one of my greatest teachers, one of my mentors, um, she actually, she taught Pacino, she taught De Niro, she, you know, and she was much younger, but she remembered work. She remembered when um, James Dean and Marilyn Monroe used to come into the studio and I auditioned at the actor's studio. What? Yeah. I mean, I was, I legit. And what happened was- huge. What happened was I went into acting, wanted to be serious. Mm-hmm. And when I used to get on stage, I used to do these serious plays and they were la- people would laugh. And I was broken, 19 years old, broken. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible. I'm going to go get a job at Walmart, you know, like broken. Mm-hmm. So my teacher was a Russian. She was also a Russian ballet te- uh, dancer okay. and mm-hmm. she was an acting teacher. And she remember she said to me, her name is Irma Sandre. And people to this day in the acting world are like, Irma Sandre. She says to me, she said, I I went to her afterwards and she said, why are you doing these horrible plays? And I was like, what do you mean? She said, you should be doing funny things. You're humorous. And I said, well, I don't want to be humorous. And she said, you're going to be humorous. She's like, because humor is hard and you already have it. So I know that's right. So I started to do comedy plays. I started applying for that. That was good. That was great. Eventually, fast forward throughout my 20s, I did tons of extra work. Um, I, you know, was in the Howard Stern movie. Like that was one of my first movies. Then uh, when I was in, um, there was a whole slew, you're too young to remember, but there was a whole slew of shows on Fox that were like Swift Justice, not NYPD Blue, but there was another show. And the show was all about diverse cops. Like that was their whole point. Of the um, like 21 Jump Street? Well, like no, it was more like pre i should know the name of it but i don't but (laughs) they were it was just it was a bunch of cop shows and that was how doing that show several times 
I finally got my SAG card and oh. I started, that's when I became a SAG actor and I was mm-hmm. starting to do bigger things. And then along the way, I did a, a bunch of other things and then doing plays. And it came to a point where I thought, I really want to do stand up. I really mm-hmm. feel like I want to scare myself. And it's funny because we've gone full circle about the bathroom. Because I remember before going on stage, and I had done shows forever on stage as, as an actor, mm-hmm. but getting up as a comic, I used to go to the bathroom right before the show. Like it just was terrifying. The stomach, the butterfly. Yes. Boy, boy, yes. Boy. And, yeah. you know, one show, two shows, three shows. And to this day, I have every single binder of every set list and everything I've ever written from comedy. Yes. Like I have three three or four huge binders in my office and the amount of experience I got from that and then eventually I got to open up for Gilbert Godfrey and Judy Gold and I got to do like the big stuff you know and and Gilbert Godfrey was great to me that's that's comedy gold I mean right so and then eventually what happened was as I was doing stand-up there became this epiphany where I was kind of at the end of my road with comedy. Like I still would do it to this day if someone asked me, like if Monique called me tomorrow and said, come open for me, right? Because she would be my perfect, she's the perfect person for me to open for. Yes. And um, so I said, yeah, you know what? It, I don't know where I'm going. And see, this is the key of the entire timeline. I don't know where I'm going, but mm-hmm. I know I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be the way I expected, but I know I'm going to get there. And I'm mm-hmm. going to keep saying yes along the way. And you know, throughout yeah. auditioning, I was still auditioning. I still I didn't know where it's going to take me. And as I was doing stand up, I started to get a little more opportunities and noticed that people said, you know, a lot of your comedy is funny, but it's inspirational. Mm-hmm. And there's this piece missing. And Along the way, I was trying to find myself. So I ended up bartending. And when I bartend, just like I do anything else in my life, I have to get certified. That's just how I am. I can't just go to a place and say, right? So I I can see that's you. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I I go and get certified. Why? I don't know. Getting certified. Because I wanted to do the serious parties. I wanted to, like, work at the serious places. Mm -hmm. Start getting hired. Start getting hired for jobs and jobs and jobs. And then finally like as i was doing this like speaking i'm doing this bartending job and i'm at a party and long story short i meet my boss that i have now at this party and says starts talking to me about coaching and says you know you're doing this speaking and she really was impressed by the cachet of the experience i had she had loved the fact that it was on the wendy williams show she Mm -hmm. loved all of that And I said, well, doesn't that clash with, and she said, no, because I have a lot of clients who are creative and young Mm -hmm. and I can't speak to them about being an actor. I can't Mm -hmm. speak to them about being a performer, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. So once again, went through all the necessarily training and the certification and became a certified coach. And I primarily work with people that are on the spectrum. So I work with a lot of like adults living independently who are autistic, but I do coach people who are neurotypical as well. So, Mm -hmm. and that's really what brought me here. And I still consider myself a writer because I'm writing scripts all the time. Mm -hmm. And there is something on the back burner right now that I'm in the process of doing Mm -hmm. um, in the middle of writing a book, Um, you know, so I'm always doing something. I'm alive. Come on. I'm alive. You're alive. I'm alive. And while you're alive, there are things you're going to still have to face and, and truck through. Like, I, like, you know, that has been my biggest thing. I've been doing Slate of Clutter five years, March gone. March 3rd actually was my five-year anniversary. And I legitimately told those who were close to me that I'm going to hang it up. I did. I said, I, I had, I'm saying this because of what you just said. I said, I had my plans. When I started this, in five years, I was supposed to be X, Y, and Z. I was supposed to have X, Y, and Z. And it's just not what I thought or what I wanted. And I must not be persevering 
I must not be doing anything good because I haven't reached those particular goals that I wanted. But like you just said, as long as I'm alive, who's to say that I won't reach it? Yeah. And if I stop, if I stop, like I was, like I was very serious about deleting everything and yeah we get like that we do getting rid of the hashtag everywhere yep and shutting it down and saying you know what maybe i'm not good enough yeah and that's and that's 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 a a rough moment and you know yeah here's, here's the thing we say in our house all the time okay when you ask, and I'm going to leave this open for whoever's listening, because I want to make sure that people listening can relate to this. When you yeah. ask God, when you ask the universe for something, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you, whoever you pray for, whatever you pray to, um, when you ask for something, you get three answers. Mm-hmm. You either get yes, you get not right now, mm-hmm. or you get, I've got a better idea. Mm-hmm. So you just remember the faith of it never being no. Mm-hmm. It's just always letting go, surrendering to the idea that you are going to get what you want, mm-hmm. but it may not be exactly what you want. It may not, it's going to be better. And I think the problem that makes that not happen is when we tend to think we're more in control mm. than the other factors in place. Because there's yeah. other factors, there are other factors. Mm-hmm. You can bring science in this all you want. There are other factors. There There are are other factors. factors. (laughs) There are. And, you know, I said this to somebody the other day. They had said, how can you be so sure that there's a God? And I Mm -hmm. said, well, I know that India exists, but I've never been there. Come on. You listen. I hope that person got gathered. They did. They got it real quick. They got it real quick. They gathered themselves after that. It's true, right? Yeah. You believe that that place exists. Yeah. Never been, but you believe it. Right. Because of other people's right. testimony or written words. Right. What have you. And listen, it? and I've had too many, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it <sighs> weird, bizarre, unexplained mm-hmm. things happen to me. Talk like, like, you know, when people talk to you and they say, you know, that stuff doesn't exist. Listen, maybe it has never happened to you. Okay. But you have to remove yourself from the fact that that's your perception, not your experience. Oof. And that's something wait, wait, I talk wait, about all again. the time. Say that again. Say that again. That's your what? That's your perception, not your experience. Yeah. That, and that's and, and that is something I talk about a lot. And that's something that I address in my book too, because I feel that every single argument, everything, even the stuff we hear, the ugly, ugly stuff we see on the news, mm-hmm. every single thing can come down to, okay, we hate what the Black Lives Matter movement's doing. Okay, why? Well, because they have this, they have that. That's your perception. That's not your experience. And if I could say to you, hey, you know what, Akila? It's it's women's lives are easier than men's. Well, that's my perception. That's mm-hmm. not my experience mm-hmm. because I can't speak from something unless it's experience. You, your husband and I would have two different experiences in the world. True. And I can't say his experience is lesser. Mm-hmm. than his experience that would be my perception and perception perceptions like going to an interview for the job of a plastic surgeon and saying <laughs> i have no experience as a plastic surgeon but i think i know what the job's like i think so i, I think, think i, I could, can figure it out when i get in there i think i could rearrange that nose just perfect that's right I think yeah so yeah. that's perception versus experience mm-hmm. right absolutely so i mean and that's really what it, it comes down to at the, mm-hmm. sen- at the sense of the world, you know, and for me, I've had a lot of odd things happen to me. I have. And there were connections that I've had. There were things like me talking to someone in the morning. And I mean, you've heard this cliche before, but it's happened to me mm-hmm. talking to someone in the morning and saying to them, you know, whatever happened to that woman who used to cast the films that we used to work with back in the late 90s, mm-hmm. right? A day later, I get a message from her on a Facebook messenger and I haven't spoken to her in like 15 years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And she finds me. Are you still acting? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you explain that? How do you explain it? People want to call it coincidence. I'm like, not. No. Nah, that that is not a coincidence. No such thing. There's no such thing as a coincidence. I believe that there's this book called um, Godwink. Yep. 
I've heard it. Yeah, I haven't read it, but I know of it. Yeah, phenomenal book. Yep. And I'm like, if you guys believe in, if if it will shatter your belief in coincidence. Yeah, and, <laughs> like, and and listen, and I believe, like, if we're gonna play, if we're gonna play, you know, both sides of this coin, <laughs> this coin here, we're gonna we're gonna go back and forth. Sure, I believe there's wishful thinking. I believe that people see things and hear things that they want to hear, but there, there are things that happen to people in this world every single day mm-hmm. that are undoubtedly real, 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 mm-hmm. real, I agree. I agree real. And, you know, I feel like those things have happened to me. And, you know, when someone says to me, they try to scare me with the idea of, you know, um, not taking a risk or being concerned with having insurance. And I've actually said this to a friend. I said, I don't know how it always seems to work out for me, but it does. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what you believe in, but Oof. whatever system I have in place seems to be working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, now, it. that's a testimony. That's it. It works. That's it. And you've been able to continue on doing what you're doing. Yeah. And pursuing all of your creative stuff outside of that. I know some people may may look at, at the coaching as not being creative, uh-huh. but not realizing that having to deal with dis- different personalities on a regular basis. Yeah. You got to come up with some creative ways. Oh, yeah. To get through to the individual that you're dealing with, because what work with person B may not work with person E. Mm-hmm. And how am I going to break through that barrier for th- in whatever way? Yeah. Yeah. For me to get my my uh, message across to them, I was just talking to my best friend before this interview, and I said, "You opened up this interview about you know people thinking that you're not scared." I said to her, "Because you know I'm comfortable on camera. I'm comfortable. You are talking to people. And you're, stuff a like that. you're a star. You're a star, baby. Listen, I think I belong on. Someone told me a long time ago I belong on the stage, and I wasn't sure what he meant by that because there's a lot of stages with poles and all that stuff. But that's not you. No, I think." No. I think she belongs on a stage or a movie yeah. or a someone's television show. We got to talk about that offline. We are. <laughs> we are. Because, you know, you're going places. You know I'm going that. places. But she said to me, Akila, you still get scared when you have to um, come on screen. I said, I get tongue-tied all the time. I misspeak. I mispronounce words. I do all of that. But because I know I do it, mm-hmm. I, it I now conquered it. Yeah. It's mine now. Okay, I know I'm going to probably fumble a word. I know I'm probably going to get tongue-tied. So I, when I expect it, I just plow through it now. Yeah. I, don't even, I don't even let it pause me anymore because I know it's going to happen. And, ident- I and identify it. I mean, because people want human behavior. They want real people. You yeah. know, it was something that I always talk to people about when I coach people to get on stage. Like I've performed, into, I've performed in front of 15 people. I've performed into thousands of people, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been on stage my whole life. And in some ways, I'm more comfortable on stage than I am in real life. Mm-hmm. And I find that with a lot of my clients too. So sometimes people say to me, oh, I have to, I have to public speak. Can you help me through this? Mm-hmm. And what I say to my clients or anybody I'm helping is there was something I read years ago and it said, when you're on stage and you're doing something in front of a group of people, they said 98% of the people are rooting for you. Yeah. And that's not just some corny positive thing because the explanation behind that is if you've ever been to a play or ever been to a concert where something goes wrong, mm-hmm. don't you feel really bad for that person on stage? Like there's Always. suddenly this connection. I remember watching an episode of SNL and they did, it was a skit that they did and you could tell they, they it's something just went wrong. It was mm-hmm. just, and I just felt so bad for the people. Mm-hmm. And they said, so it's 98% of the people um, are rooting for you. And the 2% are not even paying attention. <laughs> That's true. And That's true. meanwhile, we go out with such this heavy brick on our back. of Because I don't, at this point, I'm not going to say I don't care. But I honestly only care about the people I care about. Mm-hmm. Like if I get up in front of a bunch of strangers and they're already coming with malintent, they're already angry or they're, they're going to be hateful about the shirt I'm wearing or, you know, what I'm saying or how I'm saying it or whatever. That's, I don't, that doesn't bother me. 
No, not at all. I think with public speaking is probably what you feel too when whenever you try to motivate people. I think the thing we get concerned with the most is that someone, one person at least, gets the message. Yeah. That's what we want. When no one gets it, that's what you're afraid of. Um, I always find one person to focus on when I am speaking. Right. And and making the adjustment to this digital platform has been difficult. Right. Because I am such a kinetic person when I'm speaking. I like to call names. I like to right. Isn't that true? And it's been hard. Like the one event I had back in February, um, it was on Love Purposefully. And uh, it was via Zoom. And there was a lot of people on the platform. But because I was sharing the screen, I only saw three people. Yeah. And I had no clue who else was coming yeah. and leaving. You, you don't know. And I said, you know what, Akila? You're going to focus on the three <clears throat> people you see in front of you. And if this is only the three people in front of you listening, you yeah. Job. yeah, yeah. That's how I got. That's how I got. And I said that to some people afterwards. Like, I couldn't see anyone. Yeah. Because I was sharing my screen. I didn't know if people were shaking their head. Yes. I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know anything. But you, but, you, but you still did what you had to do. And that's, okay. you listen, you know, I think there's so many people out there. Like I've worked with people before, you know, stepped off the stage after doing a show for thousands of people. And my head is in, how did I do that joke? Thinking about this, thinking about mm-hmm. that. And the people say to me, I don't know how you performed in front of all those people. And I'm like, really? It's as if no one was there at some point because I was so wrapped up in my own Just stuff. And, and some people will say the craziest things to me. They'll say, I'd rather skydive than get they, on a stage. No. I don't think they've ever skydived. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Maybe you've never done uh, that. Skydiving? What? That's like camping. I'm not going camping. I'm not afraid of much, but you see flying, it is, it, it cripples me. It well, is. It's, well, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, the topic is essentially fear. And I always, and I always, I always talk to people about flying and I say, everybody, everybody, it's a scale, but mm-hmm. everyone has some thought or fear of flying. And for some people it's crippling. And for some people they think about it, but it really doesn't bother them. Mr. Palladino? Yes. She is afraid, okay? It's I'm not. talking about crying when I've flown by myself, like I'm because I'm flying by myself, maybe to go see my family, whatever, grabbing onto the person next to me, crying in their lap, becoming lifelong friends. I kid you not. Oh, I believe it. Lifelong friends with people on the plane because we've become real intimate. Holding hands. How are you gonna go to how are you gonna go to Italy with me? I have you have to drug me out. Remember, I told him to take the drug. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. like for me, it's like it's like four glasses of wine in this. Yes, I, yeah. I have to. We flew first class to and from Puerto Rico, and I could not enjoy it. I was like, "What is that? What? Why is it shaking? What is like full out panic yeah. attack the whole time?" You guys so, are fancy flying first class. Oh, that was all. That was all the hubs. That was not me because I knew what that flight was gonna be like. I wouldn't even do that. But yeah. Because he is who he and is. And you look beautiful him. in those photos. What you saying? You think so? Yeah, you look fantastic. And the both of you are so stinking cute. It's, Thank it's, you. Yeah, it's so, I almost, so cute. I almost deleted me, you. That's how me, cute you were. Let me tell you. It's, you know, on some real talk, this thing called life that we're talking about right now, it gets in the way of a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's not negative. We, when we decided to commit to each other, we knew that children may potentially be a part of that. Life struggles may, you know, potentially be a part of that. But and and but you don't realize how much of that can take president mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. over. And me and him, we have date nights all the time. As, as often as we can, we do it. We we chill with each other. But there's sometimes you just need to get out of your environment. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sometimes you just need to get on the plane. And we haven't had the opportunity to do that in such a long time alone. You know, he was gonna soak up every minute, <laughs> every second. Yeah. Of that and it was well worth it so for him to make it such a special experience for me or for you to hear me say that we flying first class has been forever since yeah. we've been able to just get away and i'm sure people who are listening can re- relate i'm sure you can relate uh-huh everybody it has yeah it. yeah uh, listen you know and that's and that's part of what we're talking about like you know people also human beings are weird people don't do the things they love to do mm. because they just they sit and they become complacent. Oh and, God. you know, I, I, I know you probably saw my post 
today because I was inspired by you and me I being think, on the I show. See the shirt, I see you in it's her, ain't it? Yeah, of course. That's the, that's the other queen. Okay. Well, that's the same queen. That's oh, okay. that's Nina Simone. Yeah, that's Nina Simone. There's okay. only one. There's, There's only, only okay. one queen. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. Yeah. Because okay. she's the one that everyone says to me, living or dead, who would you want to have dinner with? Of course Nina. her. Nina. That's of course. Of course. That's that. I mean, she was, I mean, the woman was phenomenal. I remember working with someone who used to work at NJ Pack. Okay. We were having a conversation about Nina Simone and she said, I actually got to work at the night she performed one of her last performances in in the United States. She performed at the NJ Pack. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing about Nina Simone for people who don't know. First of all, the documentary, you have to watch the documentary whatever happened to Miss Simone, that has to be like number one. Mm-hmm. But what's amazing is that she used to come back to this country. And after all the racism, all the stuff that happened to her, she used to show up just because she needed to pay her bills. <laughs> so she would come to America. And there's this one clip that cracks me up when I heard the backstory. She's performing in Central Park. Mm-hmm. And you can see she's doing all the hits, but she's doing them pissed. Like, she is mad yeah. the whole time she's performing. She, no, she's mad. She oh, just doesn't want to be here. She doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, you know, my baby don't care for me. And she's ready to go home. Mm-hmm. Like, she's pissed. Mm-hmm. So she's the queen. That's it. That's where I left it. So anyway, so I have always been obsessed with fear and freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, because when we don't have fear, we're free. True. You know, we're free. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're not scared of something, right. You feel free. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about this, taking chances, doing yeah. all that stuff. So the quote, the Nina Simone quote that I posted today was, I'll tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really no fear. No fear. And the impact of how she says it, mm-hmm. like it's, it's her discovering it in that moment, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is, People don't even realize when they have fear. That's the funny thing. You ever hear people say, I'm lazy? Yeah. It's not real. Being mm. lazy is not real. Okay. It's not. When you're mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm being lazy, that's not a real thing. Like, you have to explore more. Why is it that you don't want to do something you love? Now we start to talk about things that don't make any sense. Okay. I you know? can see that. I can see me in if, that. I can. If you wanted pizza, you'd order it. Right, stopping you too if you yeah. want the pizza. Exactly, it's true. it's true. Starving, I want pizza. You order it, mm-hmm. right? It's true. Now someone calls you for a job that you've always wanted, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You're actually thinking about it, <laughs> and people are like, "Why are you thinking about it?" Well, because, and we're so good at writing that script, right? Mm-hmm. We're so good at writing the script about. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. What if I, instead of just saying yes and being like, if it doesn't work out, there's more. Here we go. Now, friend, you, now you're stepping on my toes. My hands are getting wet. I'm grabbing my hands because now you're talking about me. Now you are talking I'm glad. about I'm glad. Tequila because I've, ever since I've been, I, I've done this whole reboot of the podcast. I've reached out to people. So now I have to reach out to my next set of people. I, in true friend fashion, created an Excel spreadsheet of all the people I want to interview. Have the, have the, I have emails sent. Like I have a, a column for emails sent, um, um, contact information, right. and so on and so forth. And there are so many. Like I need to fill up my whole next month. And every time I go to create the email to send it out, I stop. I'm I'm being very honest with with mm-hmm. podcast world right now. I stop because I'm like suppose they say no or suppose I interview them and it's not what they expect or suppose because I'm not big enough suppose 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 and because of that I have not sent out one interview. Well, let me tell you course. something, and this is either going to crush you or lift you. Okay. Every successful person does not think that way. Ouch. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, this is too, this is something that I say every single day. If not, I say it once a week to my clients. You can never be afraid to reach out to people you don't know and never be afraid of reaching out to people you haven't spoken to in a long time. Mm-hmm. Never. Because okay. there are people I did. This is a true story. 
there was someone who used to open for me for comedy shows. And mm-hmm. she was a real, she is a really talented comedian. And she opened for me five or six times. I kept hiring her. She was a fantastic comedian, still is. And she started, she branched off and she started to do her own series in New York. Ooh. And it probably was maybe six months in of me seeing social media mm-hmm. and thinking to myself, why isn't she asking me to do this show? Why isn't she asking me to do this show? So before I could write that script in my head that I did something wrong to her and she was mad at me and she couldn't stand me and she didn't like me anymore and I was horrible, I reached out to her and I said, hey, I'm really proud of the series you're doing and I would love to contribute however I can. And she wrote me back and said, very simply, I am so happy you said that. I never thought you would do it. I thought the show was too small for you. Wow. Wow. Yep. And why? Because from afar, things always seem one way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that's how they are. You know, like yeah. you, you reaching out to someone. Like imagine if you were so hesitant to reach out to me and mm-hmm. didn't reach out to me. We would relive that story I just told. Because I'd say, how is it that I've had you on my show mm-hmm. and now you don't want me on yours? Mm-hmm. But you know how many people want to support you? Right. That's what you just said. You said you just said that. So people many want people want to support you. Mm-hmm. They do. And there are people out there who think we all think and we're programmed differently. Sometimes somebody could see you struggling. Mm-hmm. And not ask you to work for them, even though they own a company, because they're afraid that it's going to be shameful for you, that you're going to feel like it's a handout. But if you ask them, that might change the dynamic. They might feel like they can open to you. That's also, true. rejection should never let should never stop you. Like my belief in failure, and I shared this with my boss on a call one day, and some of the coaches on the call were like, whoa, never thought of that before. I said... <laughs> Failure does not exist. It's not a real thing. Failure only exists when you don't try. When you do not try, you know? And um, one of the things that um, I said was, um, I can't even find it. Failure is not losing the prize or losing the job or losing the relationship. Failure is when you don't even attempt those things. Ouch. Yeah. You're right. That's failure. That's really feel. And then what happens is we do this thing where suddenly we don't send out the email. We don't make the phone call. And then all of a sudden we make it about everybody else. You see, Mm. they're not giving me a job. Look how good she looks on Instagram. I can't stand her. And look at him. And why has he got that company? And I don't have that because he sent the email out. He tried. He sent the email out and it led him somewhere. You know, there is this story in the Bible. Not to not to go there, but I think no, I want dad, you to go there. Mom, this is why I'm here today. Mom and dad would like this. <laughs> so there's this story in the Bible where Peter and another one of the disciples had been out all night fishing and they didn't get anything. They didn't get anything. And he came ashore and Jesus says, no, I want you to go back out. And he says, come I've been out there all night I'm paraphrasing guys I've been out there all night like what I look like going back there again he said go and he did and he said cast your net on this side and the amount of fish they got yeah for going back out there again yeah Yeah. it was like okay sometimes you just have to continue and listen to reason and try yep and, and, and successful and successful people, if you if you just read about successful people, like success meaning money, meaning people who found spirituality, people who found happiness for God's sakes, anything that you consider to be success, the thing mm-hmm. they all have in common is that number one, they do something every week, some of them every day that takes them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Even yeah, if they I have to that. drive to work a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay, because they know that opportunity comes in many shapes and sizes and will sometimes sneak up on you in a place where you don't realize. And number two, the other thing is they have made a relationship with rejection. Okay. They have made a relationship. Rejection lives in my basement. I mm-hmm. see him every once in a while. 
he takes the back stairs and gets down there. And every once in a while, I tell him, you know, you got to clean up in here. I have a relationship with rejection. I'm like, it's cool. You're cool because you know what? It's part of what we need to do. No person on earth is without rejection. That is true. Everyone is faced. I was everyone. Um, I watched the FX series called Pose. Have you heard of it? Oh yeah. Yep. So I watch it. I don't know how my audience is going, but I love it. I love my my show. my friend Ann was on it. She was an extra on it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ann, what is her? Um, you just did you interview her? Yes, we did. Oh, okay, this is the one you interviewed. Yes, I, I, that name yeah. sounds familiar to me. Yes. Um, so I, uh, read the story, of course, cause I'm always, I go and research. <laughs> so I went, uh -huh. I went and researched and the showrunner pitched it in the hundreds over a hundred and something times yep. before it got to Ryan Murphy and the, he was like, I'll do it. Yeah. How many times it was pitched and yeah. there. and although it's sadly ending next season, um, yeah. This person now has a, a a foundation of shows that he can. Um, I hope I'm using the right pronoun, pronoun, but he can present to another another place. I'm sure he has other shows in his back burner after writing something like. Oh, oh yeah. I'm sure he's got other shows in his back burner that he is gonna present to other people. Shonda Rhimes talks about it. Mm -hmm. um, Courtney DeVernay. Yeah talks about it like a lot of people had to go through the dag they rejected this thing maybe it's not good enough yeah and and, and now you know and one of the podcasts you know since we're talking about i'm on the show with a powerful black woman and we have to talk about powerful black women yes if you if you listen to there's a podcast called um there's two actually it started out with becoming oprah okay and it's a podcast that's like and i'll send you the link but it's Please. it's a several part series and the woman who did it i think her name is jill and i can't remember her last name but she's out of chicago with npr and she wanted oh. to tell the story through podcast about oprah's journey mm -hmm. so she does this like five part podcast and then no spoilers but by the last part her producer manages her to actually speak to oprah and so she's like having a panic attack holy moly but i bring that up because you hear about all the trials and tribulations that she goes through, but then she did a spinoff. This woman, Jill, who did the becoming Oprah did becoming Beyonce. Uh -huh. And she did a, she, she literally stops it. The, the podcast ends. It tells her story from childhood uh -huh. to when she goes solo. Uh -huh. And when she tells the beginning part, she talks about how, Destiny's Child was on Star Search mm -hmm. and they lost to a they bunch did. of like older white guys in this this rock band and yeah. she interviews the rock band that won over Destiny's Child mm -hmm. and when you hear that story you're like people don't always win right away true you don't always win right away you don't always win later okay you know, expectation. That's a whole thing. That's a whole nother episode. Expectation. So, that's part two. How do I manage my expectations? Yeah. And people mad, mad at people, just mad at people. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the gift giving thing. I use that as an example. Mm -hmm. Whenever you do something for someone, it should be in your intention that you want to give them something without them having to say thank you to you. Mm -hmm. Now, suddenly the entire experience has been thrown in the garbage because they didn't say thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, my therapist once said years ago, I don't go to her anymore because that's a whole nother show. But okay. <laughs> when I was going to her, she said to me, if people could manage their expectations, nobody would go to therapy because she said everyone comes to a therapist because they're mad at people because they didn't do what they wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. And she said one of the examples she she brought up was. You know, someone comes to your house for dinner and the first thing you think is, well, she didn't even show up with a bottle of wine. If I went to her house, I would have showed up with a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. The expectation. Wow. The Everybody expectation. Think like you. Of course. And, 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 and if we stop expecting so much, you know, there's a, there's a Buddhist proverb that, that they say, expect nothing. Expect nothing. Expect nothing. It's true. It's true. It is you know? true. It's true. You know? And, and, and you have inspired me 
to relook um, at how we're sending emails out. We're sending emails out. We're tonight, and I will give you email addresses to send them to. Okay, like just text me when we're done. <laughs> text them. I will. I will get you to send some emails. Let me tell you something. I want to talk to everyone. I have gotten so much good feedback on everyone, Jen and Amy. Yeah. Colleen and um, Wakisha and even the one with Daria and Danielle, I have gotten such good feedback. Mm -hmm. And this is just the beginning. Yeah. I want to talk to everybody because just listening, and you're someone who I speak to, and I learned a lot about you tonight that I didn't necessarily know. Now, Are you going to ask me about my number? Oh, you okay? We I didn't know you wanted to do that because we went in we went into all the deep stuff, but we can do that. What is your life path number? <laughs> I I came prepared. Oh yes, what what is it? Three. It's a three. Yep. Did you and, do any research? On and that? here's the thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did what did you ask? Did you? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so here's here's a three. Communication is your main purpose in this lifetime. Okay. On the three life paths, your experiences will teach you how to communicate effectively. Problems will arise from inappropriately expressed words. That has happened to me. The three life paths will teach you, listen how nuts this is after the stories I've told. The three life path will teach you to take yourself seriously without becoming overly serious. Humor, lightheartedness, and laughter are vital ingredients of your true self, but you will be unable to use them until you are able to feel true happiness. Ask any professional comedian about that or why the clown is often painted with exaggerated smile to camouflage his or her tears. My uh, guys, because you guys can't see me, but my jaw's on the ground. There just you go. So we know. There you that go. is you to the T. 100%. Like cross the T, dot the I. That's yep. Fran. Yep. How insane is that? Yeah. And it definitely resonates with the story that you've given the, the partial story, because I know the half has yet to have been told. Oh, yeah. There's, listen, at my age, I mean, I may be, you know, old enough to be your dad, but I can certainly. I don't believe that. And when your wife said that to me. It, what did she say? What'd she when say? she told me she was in her 40s, I was like, She's in... I was offended. I was offended. I heard that. I felt like I was being catfish. Cam- camera fell. I'm Because you know what? You're not used to meeting people of this color that look young. Don't play with me. <laughs> because. <laughs> No, it's true. I mean, if you give a, yeah. if, if you give a white lady a cigarette, come back two years later, and you have Jack Frost. My gosh, pale yep. skin and all, right? Hundred percent. I I met a woman once. Told me she was forty. I almost fell out of my chair because so, she she looked like the Crypt Keeper. Really? One hundred percent. Yeah, that's why we have to give. Yeah, I, listen, I'm give the cigarettes. I'm proud. Listen, I'm proud of my age. Do you share what your age is? Of course, I'm 46. I don't believe you. I need to yeah. see. I told her I want to see her license because I don't believe her. Yeah, I was I was born in 1975. I don't and, believe you. You know, it's energy. It's it's life. And I say I that. And I say that because it's not that numbers matter to me as far as age. I say that because people who are listening can know that I've done so much in my life and it's not over. No, like it. I keep doing and I keep going. And there's more people you know, there's more people I need to meet. There's more people I need to work with. And, you know, not to brag, but I'm getting to speak at the, you know, DC conference. So Come on. sorry about that. And, and, and who is it for? This is for Mental Health America. Okay. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking a little bit about what we're talking about tonight. And that's going to be addressing fear and anxiety and the cure, or at least the relief is humor. Is humor. I hope I get a Zoom link because I definitely want to watch. Listen, I want you to be on it. I I, would love. We're going to get you there next year because it's going to be like slay the clutter, the world tour. Don't listen, listen when we when you were talking about like that one woman show type thing or like that. That is so. When I say I want to do something, of course, like that, and we will, we will see. The thing is, with COVID right now, everybody is kind of afraid to like do things and change. But there's a there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's things to be done. I mean, you know, you're going to get Melba Moore on this show. I am. Yeah, you are. I'm going to. We're going to work on that because me, me and Melba, man, I'm not going to name drop, but me and Melba, we performed, we performed at the same theater. And she was there the night before 
And I knew she was there and I couldn't go see her show because I was doing a show. And then the next night I was there and then she was in um, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. So she had said to me, I had sent her a message on Instagram, like, you know, like, who was I, right? Sending her a message, like, who am I? Like, (laughs) I sent her a message and I said, because we both work with the producer and he was friends with her. Yeah. So I wrote him and I said, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I know you've been working here and, you know, I know you're busy. You don't have to get back to me. So she wrote me back and she said, and I got to see if I still even have that message. This was like five, six years ago. She writes me back and she says, darling, I saw your poster in the lobby and I was thinking I'm going to see him because it was a picture of me and I was in this black garbage bag and I had a green beard. I love your pictures. Okay. I love them. Well, Coco took that photo too. The one of me and my black garbage bag in the green. So she saw that and she was like, I saw that picture and I thought, who is that guy? But she's like, I'm going to be in New Orleans. She goes, we need to keep in touch. And ever since, like, we have this like Instagram type of, because I'm okay. obsessed with the fact that she was like the first black woman on the Carol Burnett show. Oh, she was? Yeah, she did She did sketch comedy. She was like the first. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even know that. She's done it all, that lady. She is, she's dynamic, man. We well, forget, I'm, we forget. I'm going to add Melba Moore. Yeah. to the list to the to the excel spreadsheet today because yeah. i have a whole list you'll be very proud of me i have a whole list i'm gonna add her name to the list and then you can send me whoever her contact is email yep maybe they're listening who knows yep. and they will <laughs> and, and they will get her on one of these days whatever that day comes and they will and the reason why your show is going places is mm-hmm. because you're not just here to show off you're here because you have purpose Yes. And you have to have purpose and you have to have intention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we started our podcast, it was really like, hey, we've got a great idea. But the bottom line was, we know we're going to make people feel good during the pandemic. We know we're mm-hmm. going to we're going to help people. And now our show's turned into education. I mean, you know, we're doing heavy topics. I love later. Is, um, the name of the show is later this week, by the way, guys. And I personally love it. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I have an advice column on that podcast. I love your advice. Because they trusted me enough to do that. So I'm extremely grateful. If you guys haven't, go subscribe, like, rate, all of that. Because they deserve it. And I personally feel, and I'm putting it out there, that you guys deserve your own show on Sirius Radio. Because nobody listens to the radio in the car no more. But you deserve <laughs> your own show. You guys together would be phenomenal. Yeah. Are phenomenal already. So to Thank have you. a syndicated show like on series series mm-hmm. called Series Radio. And you're gonna be busy because that happens. We're gonna bring you on as a regular because you know I'll, you're gonna you're gonna be you're part of the family. I'm I'm with it. You I know? I would definitely and when we get past security, I'll just say she's my sister. Yeah, yeah. Same mother <laughs> and same it. father. I don't know if that's you guys see the resemblance. Racist. But... If you see anything else, you racist. <laughs> racist. <laughs> that's it. If I'll you see people, anything else. I call people racist every day. <laughs> racist and they're not that's the funny thing (laughs) there goes the comedic part (laughs) but yeah you guys deserve that your show is phenomenal it's hilarious shout out to getting what was it your what was one of the last um people you interviewed i don't know her name the lady with the accordion yes no she's a big name judy tenuda who was a comedian from the 90s and all us listen i would say that's grown folk stuff because we remember when we were you know, I went and researched her. I did. Of course, of course you did. You know what else I say? You know, I was, I text you about the records I play. And when I found the Anita Baker record that I've been looking for, and I put that on, you know, all the young kids in the record store were like, what's this? What's this? What's this? And I'm just like, it's grown folks music. And they were like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's grown folks music. They need to get out the store. First of all, records are grown people stuff. So there I'm are. Like, so there if you are. don't know what that is, get out. Right. Bye bye. But right. yes, right. Fran, thank you so much. I love you. I lo- no no no. That's not fair. I should have said that first. <laughs> okay, don't I'll, don't I'll, take away my rewind. Like, Let's edit that. <laughs> I love you. Yes. If you believe it, you don't even know me. We haven't even met in person, guys. I don't know if y'all know that yet, because you've seen me and him go back and forth with each other. I've been on his show. He has been now on mine. We're on each other's Instagrams. And we both live in New Jersey and we still have not had the chance to meet and it, it wouldn't be any different. Yeah, it wouldn't. And, and you know what? The summer's coming. It's coming. And, I'm and, and so. you need to come to the Palo That's what we call our house. 
Okay. Because it's Paladino Caswell. Caswell. Okay. Yeah. So the Palawell. You have it's to Palawell. check out the Palawell. Okay. And you will see, you will have no clutter to slay here. Okay. All right. <laughs> then I can just come and relax then. Relax. That's it. That's good. And I look forward to that. Thank you so much for sharing your you. wisdom. Many this will blessings. Not be the last time. Yeah, this will not be the last time you're on here because I already have two other shows that we've named <laughs> in yep. this in this episode that you're gonna have to come back and share your insight with us and give us more gems yes. from your life and and share the rest of the things because we didn't get to, we didn't get into the whole Wendy Williams thing. We didn't talk about that. No, but we're gonna. We're gonna. I, you know, I've never spoken about my experience there. I, I'll I'll save it for here. Okay, great. So we're I won't talk. Get into... I won't even talk about it on my show. Okay. Yeah. Is that okay with Coco? No, that's she does, Coco doesn't care. Coco probably doesn't even know who Wendy Williams is. <laughs> that is true. Because she doesn't know, know anything. You're like, <laughs> did you, you know, you could be talking about a movie and she just gets quiet and I'll just stop her. her and I'll go, you didn't see it, did you? I love my Coco Lisa. Yeah. So. I love her. But yes, yeah. thank you so much. Thank and you. And we're going to wrap it up here because this is not the end. We're just putting a pin because you'll be back to discuss everything else. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huh, wasn't that an interview, y'all? Come on, you know there has to be a part two to this. Like, that's why I was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to have to definitely have him come back on because what a read that was. Like, he went there and I really appreciate him, you know, saying some of the things that he said because I needed to hear that. Like, I've been letting fear stop me from doing a lot of things for a very long time and I'm tired of it. You know what I mean? It's time for me to and and really identify what the fears are like I will as you heard me saying the episode I was able to identify certain fears such as me being tongue-tied as you hear throughout many of my episodes or when you see me on Instagram or what have you but other things like being afraid of the no or rejection oh rejection is such a big one that level of being oh suppose they tell me no is it gonna cripple me am I gonna want to die after I hear the no like we dramatize a lot of things that are not even worth a minute, a second of our energy. And he really made me think about certain things. I'm not going to lie where that was concerned. Like, why have I been holding myself back for so long? You know, and even after that episode, I, I had to really think about what I've been doing and how honest I've been where my journey is concerned. And it, it really it really called into account what I need to do. And I did go forth and send out podcast interview requests after that interview. And I'm grateful. I haven't gotten any responses back yet, (laughs) but I'm sure somebody will say yes. I may get a few no's, but somebody is going to say yes. And that is okay. It's okay. So again, thank you for listening. Please tune in for um, hopefully next week and the week after that and the week after that and keep going the week after that for another episode on Slay the Clutter with Akila, the podcast. Until then, stay safe. Bye-bye.